going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experience of the of the uh, sports information athletic communications profession. Welcome to episode 69. I want to welcome those who are just listening to us now, as well as those who have been here for a long time now, going on, I think, a little over a year and a half, uh, that we've been going strong with this thing, and we don't intend to stop this train, so... Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And if you haven't already, head over to iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, um, Google Play. What's the other one? Submitted to Spotify the other day. But um, according to my host service, you can just click a checkbox and it'll just appear. But it's been a couple of weeks now after I've hit that checkbox. I don't know if there's any more like secondary steps I need to take after that. But hopefully we'll be on Spotify soon. But um, if you go ahead and go ahead and on over to those platforms and give us a rating and a review, that would help out tremendously. Kind of share the show around a little bit. We get a couple hundred uh, listeners each week, but would love to kind of grow that a little bit more uh, as we can just show everybody that this is a resource that's worth reckoning with and that it's one of the best ones out there. So uh, go ahead and do that. That'd be great. And if you want to email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. No requests. Uh, as of right now, guys, I'm kind of booked with people that I, re- I emailed months ago um, and then they just now getting back to me. And then I've also got this new batch of people that uh, I reached out and then a couple reached out to me to be interviewed. Um, I just want to be able to take care of them. So if you do volunteer, uh, I'm telling you, you're not going to be on until like May. So if you're okay with coming on in May, you might as well do that. But I'm just letting you know that's going to be a while. Um, But anyway, uh, Jarek Wolcott, I did admit to him that I had met him one time. He doesn't remember that, but we were down the NAI uh, track and field national championships in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Um, I knew Carroll College a lot because I spent some time in the NAI and I also just enjoy college athletics in general. Um, and Carroll's a college that comes up a lot as far as athletic success. Uh, what we're going to talk about today with Jarek is some crisis stuff that happened at Montana, um, as well as some things that have happened at Carroll, unfortunately. We'll also talk about differences between D1 and uh, the NAI level. Um, but I do have to give a little bit of a disclaimer first. Uh, Jarek, like my office, um, is out in the open. So coaches walk by, athletes walk by, administrators walk by, and they make noise. So you're going to hear some cheering, some clapping, some talking. Um, they just know that that's all in the office. So you're not going crazy, but that's just the nature of an office. And I hope that yours sounds like that too. But um, anyway. I'll stop rambling on. I'll let you guys get to today's episode number 69 of SIDcast with Jarek Wolcott of the Carroll Saints. That's up in Montana right here on SIDcast. So I, uh, I went to the school at the University of Montana in Missoula. Uh, I worked with um, in, and I got a degree in journalism. And I was always interested in sports and and sports media, and I wanted something that was a little more than being a sports writer, being a sports photographer, you know, working in the radio. I wanted a little bit more of a broad experience where I could do all of those things. Um, And the more I got into it, I 
I, I worked with uh, the student the student newspaper a little bit, student radio a little bit, and I got to know the the athletic communications department there. And, uh, was going for a run in the in the student rec center, and I saw the assistant SID Joel Carlson. Uh, said, "Hey, I'd love to come stop by, and, and I'd love to help out anyway." So uh, he introduced me to Dave Guffey, the the head SID there at the time, and. And I uh, started working with Dave, um, and that was in 2007. Worked there the rest of my time through graduation in 2009, and then I actually stayed on as a, a you know glorified intern essentially <laughs> for three years after I graduated. Um, and then uh, you know I worked there essentially full time, although I didn't get paid full time, just to keep everything going and, and to pay my bills. I was married. Um, pay my bills. I, I did install security systems on the side. Um, did everything to you know I could to pay my bills, and and uh, finally got go. a full time opportunity at Idaho State University. Um, Steve Shack, uh, I had met him at a Montana Idaho State football game, and and uh, when I told him I was applying, he was excited. And, you know, it was a great opportunity. He took a chance on me, and uh, I was there for. 13 months, 14 months, and uh, the job at Carroll College came open and w- with my relationship at Montana, and, and I knew the associate athletic director here at Carroll, and 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 he was excited for me to apply and, and pushed me to apply, and, and that's how I ended up here. Small school, it's uh, it's a lot different than working Division One, having worked both. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know... Carroll's a pretty special place because of the commitment that people have to it and, um, you know, the the hard work that the coaches do. And, and you know, it, for me, you look at our head coaches, and I've been here, this is my fourth year, and we haven't had a single head coach that has been let go or we have or moved on. We have zero turnover in four years, which is just incredible at any place. And it, I think it speaks to what Carroll College is and, um, you know, we've, we've had a history of national championships on the on the football field and a history of excellence on the basketball field and, and it or basketball courts. And it's, it you know, all of our sports, we, we, uh, we're going to, we won the, the Bandy, which is our conference award for the 14th or 13th time this year. Um, so it's just exciting place to be and exciting place to be for my family. My, I grew up in Northwest Montana, um, and my wife grew up about two hours north of here in central Montana. And so it's uh, for our kids being close to their grandparents and and, and at a place where I can, um, I'm kind of given freedom to do what I like to do and, and given freedom to, to achieve excellence if I can. So. Yeah, you kind of uh, overarched a couple of things that I did want to talk with you about. Uh, let's go back to when you, you met with the assistant SID in the rec center in Montana. Um, what kind of prompted you just to say, I want to come in and help out? So I, I don't know. I've never been shy about going out and asking questions of people and uh, going out and talking to people. And, and you know, I, just, I saw him there. It was an opportunity. He said, hey, man, I'd love to come help out. And, 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 it, and it worked out. And, you know, it led to five, six years of me working there. And, so, you know, it's, 
I, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. And, and Joel is a, he's a great SID and, you know, he's won countless writing awards for, for COSIDA and, and just does excellent work and, um, just is a grinder. And he's, I learned a ton from him, a ton from Dave Guffey, a ton from Steve Shack and all these people that have had the opportunity to work with and for. Uh, you said you were kind of like a glorified intern with Montana, but what, what did it feel like for you? What was life like, you know, having to, one, be essentially a full-time SID while also trying to keep up with the bills and, and, and like you said, input security systems and have a, those side jobs like that? Um, I mean, it was hard. Uh, the one year, uh, 2012 football season, I, I did a comprehensive weekly um, video where it would be a, a pretty much essentially a 10, 12 minute documentary on the, on the week of the football team, you know, for everything for their meetings, their practice travel. So, I mean, I was going across the country to Appalachian state with the team. I was going to all these different places, um, on the team bus, in the team meetings, interviewing players every single week. And they were literally, I did not sleep Tuesday night that, you know, during football season, every Tuesday night. Cause that's when I, I, I sent it out third or Wednesday morning that Tuesday nights I didn't sleep because, and then I'd have to get up and work. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely a lot of work, but I knew that the sacrifices that I needed to make, if I wanted to eventually get a full-time sports information job, um, I'm not particularly, uh, talented. I'm not particularly skilled. I feel like my, the thing that I have is that I'm just going to work my tail off until I get get what I want, and I'm I feel like I'm really good at making relationships. So um, those things have overarched my my lack of skill and talent in a lot of different places. So, <laughs> um, so what? How did it feel like to kind of move on from that sort of role and, and get your first kind of job with Idaho State? Just for you, I mean, it was, you know, it was pretty emotional. You know, when I first got the call because of all the hard work that I had done. Um, but I knew that, um, I was going to be in a place where I could go and continue to learn and continue to get better. And I only worked for Steve for 14 months and I still call him. I mean, we still talk and, and I think he calls me and asks me questions too, because there's some things that technically that I'm more proficient at than he is. And so he'll call me and ask me questions. I mean, he was calling me, um, the last six months we've we've had conversations about things so um it's you know it's exciting to to learn from all these different co-workers and then continue those relationships you were at the division one kind of mid-major level now you're at carroll right and i is and division one is that right uh yeah i mean it's nai d1 that but they only have two divisions in basketball right so everything yeah else, it's all it's yeah. all one division. So. so what was what's the kind of the differences that you've noticed in between your times with a mid-major like Idaho State and Montana versus what you do now at Carroll? Um, well, there's not a lot of differences in in some ways. You know, it's still it's a grind. you got to go out and do a lot of work. Um, but in other ways, it's, it's just huge. You know, if I see a student athlete that needs a sandwich, like if, you know, I don't hesitate to go – buy a sandwich there's no ncaa rules like i can i can you know if, if i see a kid without a coat i can give him a coat you know if i see a kid that is in town from california and 
doesn't have a coat and doesn't have money to buy one, I can go do that, you know, or I can give them one that I have. You know, there's there's things that are that's nice, um, but there's there's other things that you know I'd love to have three or four sports instead of fifteen sports, you know, because it, it's me myself and a couple of you know part time work study kids, a couple four credit interns, and you know, but there's not a lot of work that's getting done by everybody. So it's a lot of it's a lot of hands on. Um, uh, but I do feel like I get a chance to really get to know our student athletes, and there's not, it's it feels it's a really big family here, uh, you know. And there's a, there's places at D1 that have that family feel, but definitely not a corporate environment. It's all of our coaches are really close, all of our student athletes are really close, and and it, it's a it's a great place to be. I can I can go, you know, talk to the president of the university, and he knows who I am. I can go talk to professors or talk to other people in our department. You know, I work closely with our marketing communications department across campus and help them out with things and they help me out with things. And so it's, it's nice. It's, there's a, I feel like the workload as far as just covering every team is, is a little tougher. Um, you, you know, it's kind of hard to, to be really proficient at one thing just because you have so many things to do. Um, but it's it's a great environment. Uh, like you kind of mentioned, uh, you have 15 sports you have to handle. Uh, at Idaho State, Montana, you only had a, just a handful. What were things, some things that you had to pick up, some skills that you maybe had to learn uh, coming into your first role at Carroll? Well, I mean, just the things that I, I feel like I'm still working on is just time management and, you know, uh, time budgeting. Whereas sometimes I want to focus on things that, you know, I really don't have time to focus on. Like I really want to do good graphics or good uh, videos and, and really want to write awesome features about our student athletes. Sometimes I just don't have time to do that. You know, sometimes they're the basic things need to happen. And on top of uh, just my sports information responsibilities, there's a lot of other responsibilities because we are a small department. You know, I mean, we have full time outside of coaches, we have five full-time staff members. So it, it, you know, we want to present a division one feel at our games and, and, you know, in our social media and, and the product that we have out there and without having a, uh, a full staff, it's, it's hard to do, but it's what we try to do. It's what we strive to do. Like you said, you kind of work closely with your marketing team. Um, what are some things that you guys kind of discuss? Uh, how, well, let me back up. Let me ask you this question. Uh, what is it like trying to promote Carroll College Athletics, uh, trying to get people to come to the games um, as far as maybe generating some revenue? And I know that you said you work closely with the marketing team. So what are some things that you guys like to do uh, to draw in that crowd? Well, the cool thing about Carroll is we are in a relatively – big city for Montana there's about uh, 50,000 people that live in Helena which for a lot of places that's pretty small but for Montana that's you know we're top five cities in the state um, and we are two hours away from our the competition which is you know the University of Montana Montana State those are those are two hours away so we, you know football games we're going to lose some people to the to those bigger crowds, but a basketball game, they're probably not going to drive to Bozeman um, every weekend to go to basketball games. But they will show up to a Carroll game. A lot of times our competition isn't, you know, isn't 
anybody else in town, it might be the high schools. It might be, um, you know, so if there's a crosstown high school game between the two big high schools, then that's going to take away from our crowd. So that's kind of a, a thing that not a lot of people face. But despite us being an NEI level school, we still, we have 2,000 people at our basketball games. And we have, uh, at our football games, we have four or 5,000 people. So um, because we've been so good for so long and so many different things, I think we still do well. On top of that, we still want to have that atmosphere. We want to have the half-court shot. We want to have the T-shirt toss. We want to have the cheerleaders out there. We want to have uh, as high-level production as we can have um, under the budget constraints of an NEIA school. So I want to talk just a little bit before we move on to some other things that I'd like to speak with you about. Um, the success of athletics. I mean, drawing in student-athletes, um, as far as your football program, very prominent. As far as your basketball program, it's amazing. So how do you go about promoting that sort of thing at being a small school in Montana, um, but with big-time, really, so to speak, uh, athletics? What are some things that you do go about promoting that, maybe in some feature writing stuff that, that, you, that you do? Maybe it's social media. I mean, whatever, whatever's up to you. So I think part of it is, is relationships. Uh, you know, I, I have relationships with all of our media across the state, you know, in, in markets that are bigger than Helena, Missoula, Billings. Those are, those are the two biggest towns, in, in, and I have relationship with media members in those areas. The other big area for us is Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, Washington, that area, and I have relationships with media members out there because we do recruit a ton of kids from Spokane and Coeur d'Alene to come out here. Um, and the other thing is, is you know, unless a, a national media member wants to do a story on us, I, I'm probably not going to be able to pitch them something because we're just so we're, we're, we are small. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I, I try to focus on where are our kids from. What can we do to to support uh, the newspapers in the areas where our kids are from? Napa, California. To you know, we got kids from. We just signed a kid from Texas for football. We got kids literally from all over the country, and what can we do to to get our name out into those areas where those kids are from, and, and make sure that they're recognized, so that the next kid that we're recruiting from Texas can say, "Oh, well, I know that's where that kid went, and his stuff was in the newspaper, or his stuff was on the TV." So, um, the other part about it is, I understand that our our media are not going to send. TV to track nationals. They're not going to send um, people to, to volleyball nationals. So I, if I'm at those events, then I'm taking video and sending it back in packages for these guys to, to, to have ready to go. You know, I'm not too proud to say, you should be covering this. I say, well, uh, here, I covered it for you. You know, I do interviews with players. I do interviews with coaches and send it to them ready to go, prepackaged, the other thing. And then when I do get an opportunity, like I was at uh, men's basketball national championship last year, and New York Times was there, um, I was I didn't seek him out, but when I saw the New York Times reporter, I made sure introduced myself, had a conversation about um, one of our players that I thought was deserving to be in his article about the the NAI national championship, and and when I kind of laid it out for him that hey, this kid is not only a player of the year candidate. Um, but he's a three-five chemistry major um, that 
wants to be a, a research chemist, you know, that those are things that people get interested in. So about that sort of thing, uh, promoting student athletes off the field, um, what are some things that you kind of look for? We spoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago with Sean Medeiros um, about promoting some things that maybe students do internships. Um, what are some things that you look for? And like you just mentioned, you got you spoke to the New York Times about it, but what do you do kind of internally uh, to kind of showcase that, hey, our athletes aren't just athletes? Well, I look for, I, I mean, the the key is, is are you going on trips? Are you going, are you spending time at practice? You know, I go out and I, I mean, I don't have very much time, but if I have a few minutes just to get away from my desk, I'll go out and I'll rebound for a kid out in the gym or I'll, I'll go shag volleyballs or I'll go out to the track and, and just walk around and, and watch the kids compete. Uh, I love going on trips because it gives me a chance to really get to know the kids, get to know our, our student athletes, you know, and, and I know it's the same everywhere else, but we've got some tremendous student athletes that do some amazing things, but you're not going to find those out if you're just sitting behind your desk the whole time. So build those relationships, go on as many trips as possible um, where you're on the bus and you you have a chance to sit down and talk with these kids one-on-one. Uh, I really enjoy it. And that's where what my best feature stories that I've written um, are from those experiences where I've gotten to know kids and then they trust me to tell me things. Um, and when I look at last year, um, I won the, uh, the NEI CIDA feature writing contest and it was uh, a story that I wrote about one of our student athletes who was a 20-time, a 19-time all, All-American in cross um, indoor and outdoor track. She was a two-time national champion, just an amazing kid. She was also the COSADA Academic All-America of the Year for all sports for the college division twice. So um, just an amazing kid. But she went into her senior season of cross country looking to – you know, for a top five finish at nationals, if not a national championship. And then she got a pulmonary embolism, which should have ended her career, track everything. But a month later, she's running at division at the, at the conference meet, winning the conference meet after she had a pulmonary embolism. And so when you do that, when you see this story, I mean, that's a, that's a story that's just a no brainer. Um, but when, she comes into my office and she's telling me about it because I have built that relationship with it, with her previously, it made it a lot easier. And then when she said, Hey, call my doctor, here's a permission slip that the doctor says she can talk to you and stuff like that. Those are, those are all things that, um, have built, um, because I built those relationships before that made it a lot easier to tell that story. Uh, last question I have before we got to move on to something. Um, the feature writing award that you that you got, were you specifically seeking out that award, or did that just kind of come, you know, just kind of out of the blue? Well, you know, you have to nominate, you have to submit for the awards, um, and it's uh, I, 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 I submit things for these awards not because I really care about these awards, but I want it's an opportunity for more people to read those stories about our student athletes. So, um, the NEI does the, the awards and, uh, they do a top 10 and I got, and I put three stories in the top five. So I got first, third and fifth in that, in that category last year. Now 
um, because I've been focused on other things this year. I haven't done as much future writing, so I don't. I don't think I'm going to take three of the top five spots this year. Uh, you know, and there's some great future writers out in the NAIA, but um, you know, it's a. It was excited to be recognized by my peers, uh, but really, I just hope that more people heard about this great story about Lee Esposito and and overcoming some pretty crazy adversity um, to to win a conference championship again. I want to talk about crisis for a moment. Um, While you were at Montana, there was a little bit of a scandal going on. Before we get to any of the questions, can you is are you allowed to detail what happened there? Uh, Well, we had. um, I mean, there's a book about it, so I mean, I I don't think it's anything new. um, But there was uh, one one student athlete was convicted of uh, sexually assaulting one of his friends when she was drunk. Another one was accused of sexually assaulting another friend. Um, and it ended up costing the, the head coach and the athletic director their jobs. Um, you know, and I think, and, you know, there were some other people on campus that I think eventually pretty much lost their jobs because of the situation at hand. Um, but, you know, you look at how it was handled in the media and everybody just kind of built up a brick wall around it. And, and I don't think it was handled the best instead of, you know, they, they really want to protect those, those kids. And I understand it, but sometimes the institutions, um, you know, protecting the institution is more important than protecting the kids. And, you know, uh, there's, there, and I'm not saying everything was done poorly at Montana, and it wasn't, but it wasn't. There were some things that could have been done better. And what were those things? Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like you got to get out in front of it. You got to be, um, you got to rip that bandage off quickly and and let it heal. Because otherwise, you know, if if you you know build up a wall around it. That, that wall is eventually going to break anyway, so might as well get the flood over and, and let, let the water subside instead of making the problem longer and worse. So what are some things that you, you might have taken away from that situation that if you say, you know, if and you've had, had some uh, uh, crises at Carroll, uh, maybe some things that you've taken away from that one that, you're, that you kind of implement with what you do now, what would some of those things be? Well, I mean, you just have to be sensitive, um, you know, especially in these instances where there are victims, you know, you got to be sensitive to what you say to the media. There were some people that said things or, and even, you know, as a public institution, people's emails were, were available because those are public record and you got to just be careful on what you say, email, everything. Um, the other thing is you really have to, um, you know, look at the, the greater interest of the institution. Uh, what is the most important thing? And when it came down to it, uh, you know, people lost their jobs because they were, I mean, they really cared about the, the kids, and I think that's important. But uh, there's a line there where there's there's some things that are, you have to look at the best inter- interest of everybody involved, not just the, the one person. Uh, what was the kind of atmosphere, maybe some discussions that you guys had in your sports information office about that? Well, I mean, it was, 
because a lot of this was so high level, uh, some of it was handled at the institutional level instead of at the at the sports information level. Um, and you know, and that's the other thing is after this, they they did hire a, a new campus director of communications because of the way things went. Um, but I, when they were going through that process, I, you know, I in the interviews we. You know, they, they do the, the forums where they talk to people. And I asked, I said, do, you know, can we expect a greater um, uh, relationship with athletics and campus communication? Because there was absolutely none. And so this thing went above our heads and we really couldn't do anything about it except for write a release when they, you know, let people go or when other things happen. So... Yeah, um, unfortunately, some things uh, with student-athletes also happen. Um, this isn't really a topic that we've ever really talked about uh, on any other episode that we've done, but uh, death of a student-athlete. Uh, hopefully, 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 nobody ever has to go through that, but um, unfortunately, Carol has. Uh, what did you kind of do to kind of handle or alleviate that situation? You know I think the, the key on this one is, again, you have to be sensitive. And, and it's hard. You know, you look at ours was uh, we had a, a kid um, who was diabetic who got sick and, and didn't, um, you know, and what he, the flu, you know, aggravated his diabetes. And, and then he, you know, didn't wake up from, uh, you know, went to his bed and didn't wake up. And, and it's it was a terrible day. It was, it was really rough on, on everybody involved. We have, you know, he was a track kid and, and well, really well liked, really hard worker. And it you know, you have to deal with, you have to find a line of how to deal with your own personal grief, you know, and, and working with, uh, the athletes that are, that are there and making sure that they're getting everything that they need while still providing, um, an outlet to let the community know what happened and, and, and figure out a way to, um, put what they've done into context, you know, uh, um, obviously what he, how he threw the hammer doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I think it, it, more important is to look at those relationships and, and try to find a way to discuss those relationships in a, in a positive way that you can um, share what he meant to, to us here. And, um, you know, having a kid die like that is it was a, it was a pretty rough um, it was a pretty rough time for us. Um, but I look at, you know. Washington State and what they've had to go through lately. Um, I look at people that die in, in tragic accidents, and 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 I just think about those SIDs that have to 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 you know write press releases through tears and and do the, those things every single time. I just think about how tough it is. You know, William Penn, um, another NAI school, had a had a kid that was murdered a few weeks ago, and I, I just can't imagine how tough that would be for Wade, the SID over there and how, how much, um, grief and trauma and everything that goes into, to dealing with that. I just can't imagine dealing with that. 
Yeah, uh, hopefully something that nobody ever has to go through. Unfortunately, that's I don't want to say life, but um, that is something that happens. But uh, let's say we move on to some fun questions. How's that sound, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, first one I have for you. I want you to tell me um, what you tell your two boys. How do you describe what you do? Um, they're still really young, so it was my, my one-year-old just turned one on Sunday, so it was just his birthday, um, and then I have a, a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, and so, um, you know, he, he knows that there's a gym in my office, and he knows he can come run around, and, and but it's kind of, I, I, I don't really explain too much about it, he just knows that I go to games, and, and that I... And then I work all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he knows that I have a lot of long hours and um, that I travel a little bit. So, uh, What's your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Um, you know, I've had a lot of great opportunities to be a part of. Uh, you know, when I when – I've had the opportunity to go to a couple national championship football games with the University of Montana, which were a lot of fun. A couple of opportunities to go to NCAA tournaments with the University of Montana, which were a lot of fun. Um, I did, I, I, I don't know, I, I think it comes down to personal just experiences. To watch uh, Leah Esposito after she had a pulmonary embolism cross the line in a dominant win in a conference championship, um, that was pretty. That was pretty special, and that I think of another um, one of our female student athletes who came in as a walk-on, wasn't expected to do anything, and uh, she kind of found a little bit of a niche in the long, long distance. And she she ran uh, at nationals. She came in ranked like 14th in the 10K, and she was kind of in the back of the pack. And then she started just picking people off last few laps and the 10k it's so hard because there's so many people laughing so many people and you can't really it's hard to see where everybody's at yeah i did the 10k yeah and, and so. she comes she comes across the line in the 10k um in eighth place earning all american honors and and just the grin on her face and then this year she picks up her phone and calls her dad who I mean, they weren't expecting anything, and she calls her dad and says, "I'm an all-American," and you can see the tears in her eyes. And those are those are the special experiences that, um, you know, the the national championship tournament appearances are fun, and you're going to football playoff games are fun. Uh, but to me, the real special ones are those personal experiences where I get to see a kid just just achieve more than they ever thought they ever could. Yeah, we we kind of had that last uh, this past season. We had a girl on our cross team that. She was walking on, and all of a sudden in practice, coach starts seeing like, "Wait, wait a minute, you're, you're you're at the front of the pack. Like, who are you? Let's let's throw you in some stuff." So yeah, we know we know what, quite what you're talking about. But um, how about on the other side of the corn? Do you have any bigger horror stories that you've had in your tenure? I mean, you know, I look at all the mistakes that I've made, and I think about all the stupid, you know press releases that I've done at three in the morning that just don't make any sense or like game recaps that, you know, after a long day and just trying to work at game notes, work on game notes. And so, I mean, I've just made so many, you know, after writing thousands of press releases, you, you've made a few mistakes and some of those, I just look at myself and roll my eyes. Like, what are you thinking here? Like, you know, so those are, 
I guess the horror stories, you know, there's obviously the, the real horror stories, the, the tough situations. Um, but you know, we talked about those already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Just go out and do it. I mean, if you want to do, if you want to get into sports information, get out. Um, I mean, I've met, uh, quite a few sports information directors across the country at all levels from power five to, to NAI and, uh, every single one of them would take a student worker to come help out, you know? So if, if you want to do it, just show up at the office and don't go away until they give you something to do. So <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, when you look around your conference country division, you look at some of you say that's a good SID. What are some things that they do that make you say that? Uh, you know, there's, we've kind of developed a culture in our conference because we're all shorthanded and, um, we still have some that aren't full-time SIDs or assistant coaches and others doing it. Um, we've developed this culture of just helping each other. Uh, so people say, I see something that, you know, maybe Josh Wetmore at, at Providence up in Great Falls, that he's doing, I said, man, how'd you do that? That's pretty cool. And he'll, He'll walk me through it, and obviously I'm not going to copy him uh-huh. exactly, but give me just an idea of some other things I can do. I look at, you know, what uh, some, of the, some of the guys in, in the NEI, you know, Aaron Sagraves, and, um, you, you know, him as, a, as our NEI set president and, and the things that he's done just to help us out is, is pretty impressive. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate these guys. I know... I know it's a lot of hours, and I know, obviously, from experience, everything that these guys are going through, trying to have a, a balance with wife and kids and do all that, and, or, you know, husband and kids on the other side, you know. Um, but there's there's just a lot of hard workers, a lot of uh, people that are really smart and really care about their student-athletes, and I think those are really important things. Uh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? everything i mean there's there's so much out there that i don't know um you know when i if i write something i i have four or five people something that i really care about a really long feature or something i I have four or five people look at it uh if i do something um if i try something new on video or a poster or whatever i have somebody you know look at it i'm always trying to learn something i uh you know the, the facebook pages are always a big help um, those Facebook groups with all the SIDs are incredible, and it's it's awesome to to see those people willing to share and willing to to learn. And when I when we play like we play Washington State in basketball a few years ago, and I sat and met, sat down and met with their SID, and uh, you know I I try to take every opportunity I can to sit down and meet with people just to pick their brains and learn. Um, work life balance. What do you do to have fun? Uh, you know, I do a lot of different things, uh, whatever piques my interest at the time. I, I try to, to do some different things. I, I live in Montana though. So there's, there's outdoor experiences that abound everywhere. There's a, you know, just North of here is the largest wilderness complex in the lower 48, uh, the ball Marshall wilderness complex, which connects to Glacier Park on the, on the South end. Um, you know, there's Yellowstone Park, like to hike, like to hunt and fish, and and 
you know, hunting is a little hard because hunting season is football season. Yeah. So to, to do that's a little more difficult. Um, but, uh, I like to take my kids out and make sure that they have the experiences of being out in the wilderness. My dad worked in the timber industry, and so I spent a lot of time in my dad's truck out looking at logging jobs and looking at, um, you know, how to turn these trees into boards. And, you know, it was a, it was a great part of growing up, and that blue-collar attitude is something that I want to hopefully instill in my, my children as they grow older. Uh, next time someone's in Montana, beautiful place to be. Uh, been close to there, never actually been there. Next time someone's in your neck of the woods, uh, what's your restaurant recommendation? Well, I mean, it really depends on where you're at because there's, you know, if you're in my hometown, there's there's the Red Dog Saloon that has great pizza, but it's 20 miles out in the middle of nowhere from a town that's already out in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> um, but if you're, you know, that's Libby, Montana, Northwest Montana. If you're if you're in Missoula, there's some great restaurants. You got to check out the Mo Club. You know, anytime there's a University of Montana reference on a sports center, they talk about the Mo Club. So they got they got burgers. It's as simple as you can get, but it's just a good burger. Uh, Helena, you know, we've we've got quite a few good restaurants, and uh, I'm trying to think of what would what would be my go to. Oh, you can go to the Staggering Ox has a has a good sandwich. They actually make the sandwich. The bread is baked in a in a it's a cylinder. So they they pull out the middle and they and they put the the sandwich in the middle of it. So it's kind of it's kind of an interesting place. Yeah, sounds interesting. Um, if anybody wanted to have any, if they have any questions for you, want to follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? You can get at me on my email, uh, Jarek or jwolcott at carol edu, um, or you know at Twitter Jarek Wolcott. So J E R E K W O L C O T T. Awesome. Well, Jarek, simple enough. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, buddy. Guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. Uh, next week, we are back at it. Also, just real quick, I want to thank you guys for bearing with me as I took that week off. I did get caught up on a lot of stuff, uh, but as we near the end of my school year, um, that workload is starting to pick up a little bit more but uh anyway we'll be back next week with adam martin of the makers of sport podcast some of you guys listened to that um uh, it was a great conversation as of right now i'm thinking of making it a two-parter um or at least making it the one-parter we'll just find out how big the file is but that was a lot of fun uh to talk with him about but in the meantime before that episode happens uh, leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcast a one-star, five-star, maybe a quick sentence or two um, as to how you found the show, why you like the show, how you think it's beneficial to other SIDs out there. You can email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. And guys, I want to thank you all for listening, and we hope to catch you all in the next episode.